Amen. Thank you, ladies, for that song, mother-daughter duet there. And then a moment ago, we had some teenagers here, or their mothers in the auditory. I'm sure they're extremely proud of those young ladies and their uh, musical ability, using that for the Lord. And today, we certainly we recognize our mothers, and uh, we lean on our mothers, and, uh, and I know that they lean on the Lord. And so thankful for that. Great singing this morning, great music. Uh, the Lord has met with us so far, and I hope that I don't mess this thing up. And uh, we want the Lord to continue to meet with us. We want to hear from His Word. And um, I'm going to ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 2, if you would, this morning. Exodus chapter 2. Um, I'm going to start on the other end of the Bible. I'm going to start in Romans. Um, but before I even get there, in Washington, D.C., there's a monument that's stood for many, many years. And uh, it's guarded 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days of the year. Heat, cold, storm, snow, rain, riot, it doesn't matter. That place is guarded and it's kept open. It's a tomb that many of you are familiar with. It's the monument or the tomb of the unknown soldier. In World War I, uh, they couldn't bring uh, uh, back all of the bodies. Not all the soldiers were brought home. Uh, And so a monument was erected and a body of a random soldier was selected to be buried in this tomb uh, as a memorial for all of the unknown soldiers who were lost in action. These soldiers, while their names are important, the monument still remains nameless, as it were. It still does, it plays its role. It helps us to remember soldiers who are without a name in our history. Soldiers who have sacrificed, who endured hardship, uh, and in this case, even gave their lives so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy today. They, without a doubt, have had a huge impact in our world, these unknown soldiers. While 
their impact has definitely had an impact on this world. There are unknown, if you will, mothers. It kind of dovetails with that video that was played this morning, the unnoticed things that mothers do. So many things that happen that we don't take the time to stop and observe. And, uh, and so while all those things, those soldiers, how they impacted our society and our world today, uh, all those things are certainly true of our mothers as well. They impact the world in ways even far greater than soldiers do, I would, I would say. Amen. A mother has a, a far greater reach uh, than even a soldier. And as I mentioned, I'm going to start this morning in Romans chapter 16, where Paul is writing... Um, and you stay in Exodus chapter 2, because I'm going to be out of that real quick. And, and I just want to highlight something here as we transition to Exodus chapter 2. In, in Romans chapter 13, Paul is coming to the end of this book here. And, and all this time he's been teaching uh, these Christians how they ought to behave. But then he comes to Romans chapter 13 and he starts greeting people and giving thank yous. In Romans chapter 16, verse number 13, there's a verse that stood out to me and spawned this whole message. It is this, salute Rufus... Chosen in the Lord. Paul is greeting and saying thank you. And, and in this verse he says, Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Paul addresses the church, the church at Rome. He's talking to these Christians here. And he says, I want you to say a special thank you to Rufus. And also I want you to say a special thank you to his mother and mine. Paul's mother is never mentioned in scripture, but he is not the brother of Rufus. This mother who is mentioned here is not Paul's biological mother. But it is someone that he stops at this time in history to recognize with a very honorable term. His mother and mine. Now we don't know what Paul's family situation was. We know that his father was a Pharisee of, you know, he was a Pharisee. Paul said, I am a Pharisee of Pharisees. And, uh, and so we know that, that Paul, uh, assumably, uh, hailed from a very religious home, but we don't know where his mother was. She's never mentioned in Scripture. But for some reason here, Paul stops and says, I want to greet, I want to salute. I want you to honor this woman, Rufus's mother, but not just his mother. She's also become my mother. I don't know how that event took place. I don't know what occurred. We could look through Scripture and, and we could see how maybe it was in one of those times where Paul received 39 stripes from the whip that Rufus's mother was there to mend the wounds, to heal him up. It could be one of the three times that Paul was beaten with rods that Rufus's mother showed up after that beating and, and, and again, uh, sealed up the, the wounds, maybe sewed the, the skin shut where it had been split open from those rods. Uh, maybe it was one of those times where he was stoned with stones. Maybe it was after one of the time, many times he was shipwrecked or left at sea that Rufus's mother came to his aid and helped him. It could have even been during his long uh, home imprisonment while in Rome that she ministered to his needs, uh, needs while he was on house arrest. Uh, it could have been any one of these things. They're, they're really all assumptions. We don't know what happened that caused Paul to recognize Rufus's mother as his mom. But I can guarantee you, she nurtured him at some point. At some point in his life, she came to his aid. I think almost all of us could remember back to our youth where a motherly figure or our moms nurtured us. I remember the year that I got roller skates. Man, all the rage. And I'm not that old. 
But roller skates, black leather high top skates with a green, teal green lining on the inside and red wheels. Oh man, those things were hot. All right. And I remember getting on those roller skates and man, I'm like, I'm like an Olympic ice skater, just nimble and agile and, you know, ballerina twirls down the street on my roller skates. I'm going crazy. All right. Going, and I'm flying down the road and well, the embarrassing part of the story is we had a bell that my mom used to ring because, you know, that's the only way to get a cattle herd back home. And, uh, and so she, she used to ring the bell out the front door. And, and so I remember I'm skating home and uh, I'm flying down the middle of the street. And man, I'm just having a good old time. But before I know it, I run over one of those manhole covers. <laughs> and that thing acted like a spike strip in a hot, high-speed pursuit chase. It flattened me out just like that. And uh, I remember my knee dragging on the ground. And uh, just right across the edge of that manhole cover and then through all that torn up asphalt around it. And, uh, and it just, oh man, I was like a war-torn veteran coming home with battle wounds. I'm dying my leg. I'm hobbling home on skates right into mommy's arms. Mom, I'm going to die. <clears throat> she as only mothers can, sat me down in that kitchen chair, didn't bother to take the skates off, got down on her hands and knees and began to scrub that wound. She took that vial of yellow iodine, you remember that stuff? Dumped it all over my knee. My leg was dyed yellow for weeks. Looked like I was jaundiced and I was 10 years old. But here, here's that iodine. She dumps it all over it. She scrubs it out and she butterfly stitches it up and and puts a, a Band-Aid on it, and, uh, and she said, okay, go ahead, go play. <laughs> Sends me out. That mother's touch, I still got a scar on my knee that's purple, because that thing never healed up properly. It should add stitches. But I never got them. It was like flopping. My kneecap was like flopping in the wind. Okay, it wasn't that bad. But when I think about my mom, there are the moments that I think of. Those moments of being nurtured, those moments of being helped, those moments of being helped in a time of need. And, and whatever the circumstance was, I'm sure that's what happened in Paul's life, where he, for some reason, recognized this woman. My mom was a great mom, but I remember going away to college, and my mom wasn't there. But while I was at college, there was a woman who kind of took me under her wing, and she would help. She saw I was discouraged, she would give a hug. She saw that I was kind of weak. She would invite me over to the house and she would make a, a dinner for us at her house where I could be in a home setting, not in college. And she would, she would mother in a way only a mother can. She was not my biological mother, but she mothered me. And I appreciate that. There's a lot of those mothers in the world today, unrecognized for what they do, unrecognized for what they accomplish in our lives. And this morning... I want us to just take a moment and I want us to erect a monument to the unknowns of mothers. The unknown things that they do. Just, we're going to just pause for a moment this morning and just take the time to stop and observe them. Because if we think about them, our mothers, for long enough, we'll be able to think of some of these things. But I just don't think we take the time very often to do so. So I want to just uh, take the moment this morning to pause and observe these unknowns of mothers.
Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for those that are gathered here this morning. And we pray that you would bless the service. May you be honored and glorified through the preaching of your word. May Jesus Christ's name be lifted up. Lord, if there's anyone here today who's not accepted Christ as their Savior, may today be the day of their salvation. Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to do through this service. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name we pray. Amen. You should be in Exodus chapter 2. In Exodus chapter 2, we're jumping, we're jumping uh, to the other end of Scripture. And I want to read a verse in Genesis, or in Exodus, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 2. In verse number 1, it says, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. We're about to read the story of Moses, and the wife who has been taken here is going to be Moses' mother. This is her story of bearing her son, yet she is not mentioned one time in this story by name. Her name is found in Scripture, but in Numbers, just in a list of genealogies. But in her story, where she is going to deliver her son, and she is going to, as we see, um, do some amazing things, her name is never once mentioned. I find that unique. And so we're going to look at this woman. Her name is Jochebed. And Jochebed did some amazing things on behalf of the Lord and her children. This morning, as we erect this tribute in honor of mothers, the first block that we'll build this tribute with is the block of Jochebed's vision. The block of, God, of godly mother's vision. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 2, the Bible says, And the woman conceived, Jochebed, and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. As we consider this story, it's important for us to understand here the difficulty of which Moses is being born into. It's a day and time where the government had mandated a post-birth abortion. They were killing off any male child who was born to the Hebrews. And here we see Jochebed, who becomes pregnant and delivers a son. His name would be Moses. And while she could immediately, her first thoughts been, I mean, remember, this is before ultrasounds, this is before gender reveals, she didn't know what this child was going to be. And while her first thought could have been when that child came out and they said, it's a boy, because you certainly wouldn't want to scream that out loud. Her first thoughts could have been fear. Her first thoughts could have been anxiety. Her first thoughts could have been, what am I going to do? They're going to come for my child. They're going to take him. He's going to be murdered at the hands of the Egyptians. But what does this mother see? She sees a goodly child. A goodly child. Mothers see so much more than just the difficulty that surrounds them, their circumstances. When they look at a baby, they look at a child, they see so much more than that. They see hope. They see a future. They see promise. A mother's vision. It wasn't a fear. It was, this is a good child. I have been blessed. Despite her circumstances, I have been blessed. Mothers see so much more than us men see. My wife sits there and stares. We have a one-year-old and she'll just look at him. How precious. I can look at him and say he's cute precious, but it's not the same. A mother's vision is different. 
where one may observe an infant and see sleepless nights, messy diapers, uh, constant sickness, lots of laundry. A, A mother sees a miracle, a blessing, a gift. Her way of contributing to society and and bringing up an offspring that will honor and glorify God and and hopefully change the world. While some may observe a toddler and see an annoyance or coloring all over the walls, uh, makeup catastrophes. Your toddler ever gotten into your wife's makeup? Messy eaters, dirt track through the house. That's, you may see all those things, but a mother sees all that and she sees more. She focuses on that growing, that growing healthy gift that will soon be out of the phase of dependency. This child's going to be grown soon. It's not going to need me for everything. While some may look at a teenager and see endless talking, mood swings, rebellion, independency, emotional outbursts, big bodies with little brains. <clears throat> Mom sees their little baby who, they, who, who just rocked their world when they brought them into, into this world. Some may look at a college grad and see a young adult that still has to prove themselves. Some may even look at them and say they're kind of entitled or they're opinionated. They've got a lot to say and they've not proven anything in life. People say all kinds of things. I'm not saying it's what you say, but some may look at them this way. But a mom sees the cycle of life. She sees her infant all grown up. Mothers have a vision to see so much more. So much more than just what they are right now. They see way into the future what they'll become. What they hope they'll become. What they dream for them to be. A mother's vision is great. And here, Jochebed exemplifies that. Where she could have chose to live in fear. and Where she could have chose to to have that anxiety and to, to be worried about the future of her son. She chose just to take a moment and stop. And thank God. This is a goodly child. This is a goodly child. No, I'm not saying Jochebed was a perfect mom. But she had a good vision for her child. A vision where he would be able to live, and we'll see that. A vision where despite circumstances, he would be able to thrive. He would be able to excel. It was her vision for his future. By way of a challenge this morning, I, I would like to ask you, With that in mind, a mother's vision for great success, do you think that you fulfilled your mother's vision for your life? The Bible Bible tells us that, uh, well, it's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. I wonder this morning son or daughter, of which all of we are, are you the cause of heaviness for your mother? It's just a challenge, a thought, as we think about what their vision is and how they hope the future will be, what they pray for and what they work towards. Are you the heaviness? I want to ask Alex if you'd come up onto the stage, and I'd also ask Brother Chris, would you come on up here? These are Two men here in our church, faithful to our church. But these two men, they have very different circumstances. And as we talk about vision, and we consider the heaviness of our mothers, a rebellious child. I want to challenge us all in our relationships with our parents and with our mothers specifically. 
Brother Chris, how old are you, Brother Chris? 52. 52. All right. <clears throat> He's almost to AARP status, like preacher. All right, 52. Brother Chris's mom is here in the auditorium with him today. He's 52. We won't even talk about his mom, right? We'll just leave that out. But she's here with us, and, and Brother Chris gets to enjoy a relationship with his mom to this day. He's a grown man. He's experienced life. But he still has the pleasure of a relationship with his mother right now. Amen. Communicate. If something were to come between them, he can go to her and get it right. If he was the heaviness of his mother, he could go to her and make that right. He could restore relationships. It wouldn't matter if he had bitterness in his heart. It wouldn't matter if he had hurt in his heart. It wouldn't matter what kind of mom he had or not. He could choose to have a right relationship with his mother. That would be his choice. And he could still mend that relationship because there she is, Miss Lalani, sitting right down there in the auditorium. He can have a relationship with his mom. Here's Alex. On the other hand, Alex is 16. 15, Alex has got a very unique situation in life. He's actually been raised by his grandparents who are his parents. That's who he calls mom and dad. Two years ago, Alex's mom passed away. So he's 14 years old without a mom. Now, there's no going back for Alex. And I don't want to make that hard on Alex. It's hard for me to say. But Alex gave me permission to share this story this morning. Because... He can't go back and fix anything that was between him and his mom. He can't change the past now. What's been said has been said, and what hurts were left open have been left open, and there's no mending an earthly relationship with his mom. That part of his life is now past. Two men, but very different circumstances in life. And today, I want to challenge us, in our relationship with our parents, are you the heaviness of your mother? Are you right with, right with them the way that you ought to be? And, and I would even go as far as to say to remind us all that if you're not right with your parents, you cannot be right with God. And it doesn't matter the age of life you are in. I don't care if you're 52 years old and your mother is, uh, is still here or if, you're, or if you're 14 years old and your mother is not here. Uh, hey, listen to me. You can be the heaviness of your mother, but you have an opportunity to fix that if she's still around. This was unexpected. It happened quickly. But it's done. It's done. So I want to challenge you. Let's think about it today. Mothers have a great vision, a monument that we ought to stop for a moment and respect and honor. Thank God for our mothers and their vision. What they see and what they hope for us to become. But do you honor them? Do you respect them? No matter what age, no matter what stage of life you're in. Let's honor our mother's vision. Let's not be the heaviness of our mother. Thank you guys. Appreciate you coming up today. As we move through our story this morning, I don't want to only recognize the vision of our mothers as something to honor. But I'd like to build upon this monument. <coughs> Homeschooled. <coughs> Everyone knows homeschoolers are the most intelligent, so it doesn't matter. I can make jokes about it. <coughs> strength. A mother's strength. 
Look, if you would, in Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 2. So we see this mother, and she conceives a child, and she gives birth to him. Here in verse number 2, And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and dubbed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. When she could hide him no longer, Moses' mother released him. When I stop and think about it, it's astounding to me how mothers always seem to have just enough left in the tank to get the job done. At the end of a long day, at the end of a long week, at the end of a long period of time, it seems that they just have enough left that they can milk out to get the job done. I'm sure you've observed that time and time again. But here is Jochebed. She's giving birth in a time of infanticide. She's already in a difficult situation. The burdens and stresses of life, I'm sure, are upon her. And her child may be killed. So she gives birth in this this horrible time. I'm sure that she's enduring those fears. Now, the Bible doesn't choose for us to remember that she was fearful, but I'm sure that she is pushing through those fears and those worries of, of, of her child being murdered. Not only that... She chooses to defy the king's order. Where her child is supposed to be thrown into the river, now here she is hiding this child. This is a mother of incredible strength. She's accomplishing something that is seemingly impossible. She gives birth in this horrible time and she's protecting this child from from, uh, sure death. Ignoring the orders of the king. But... There did come the time where she could hide him no more. She'd done everything that she physically could do. And she was quite strong about it. But when she could hide him no longer, she made a basket together and covered it with pitch and tar so that it would float. She placed her son in that basket and she placed it down there in the Nile River. Mothers seemingly have an endless supply of love to give, nurturing, discipline. They have incredible endurance. If you look at Proverbs 31, it it highlights the mother's strength. She rises while it's yet night. She girdeth her loins with strength. She strengtheneth her arms. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle. She stretcheth forth her hands to the needy. You could go through all of Proverbs chapter 31 and see the strength of a godly woman. And a godly mother has an incredible strength. However, I want to take a step back this morning. And while mothers are physically strong and able to accomplish some amazing feats, it's not the physical strength of Jochebed that I want to highlight this morning. I want to highlight her spiritual strength. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. And verse number 23. Hebrews 11, verse number 23. It says here, by, fa- by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. 
The strength of Moses was not simply that she had the ability to to hide her son and to endure the, the pressures and the stresses of the time in which she lived. That was not her strength. The strength of Moses' mother was her faith. And it's highlighted here in what we call the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, where it says that by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. And they were not afraid of the king's commandments. You know, Jochebed, she was, as we read at the beginning, the daughter of Levi, daughter of a Levite. And while today we look back in history and we say, well, the Levites, they're the priestly tribe. They're the spiritual ones. And so Jochebed, she had a good, solid spiritual foundation. And so when it came to this difficult trial, she just instinctively knew that she would, should rely on God and have great faith. But no, they're not the tribe of Levi quite yet that you know. It wouldn't be another 60 or 80 years until the priestly tribe of Levi would be established. Actually, at this point, you know what the Levite tribe was known for was some pretty violent acts. If you read earlier in Scripture, you'll see where Levi, the head of the Levite tribe, the son of Jacob, uh, Levi went and, and murdered a whole tribe of people in a very gruesome way. And so the Levites weren't some spiritual giants. Jochebed wasn't hailing from some great spiritual home. Her faith wasn't something that uh, she was handed down from generation to generation necessarily. It was something she chose to have in her life. She chose to place her faith in in God. She chose that. Yes, she could have relied upon her own strength, but there came a point in time in in Jochebed's life where she was going through this difficulty and, and bearing this son Moses where she decided, I am going to trust God. This difficulty is far beyond my reach. I'm going to trust God. He can handle this situation. And I want to highlight, memorialize this kind of faith. At some point in Jochebed's life, way before the whole scriptures were ever written, she learned that she should take his yoke upon herself. That she should learn of me, God says. For I am meek and lonely in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. At some point, Jochebed realized that her strength wasn't going to be good enough, and so she learned to trust in the Lord with all her heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Centuries before Jesus Christ ever stood on this earth and preached, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. The strength of Jochebed's, the strength of Jochebed, Moses' mother, was her faith. Her faith. A faith that, that is recorded in the whole of faith. And we're going to see in a moment here how impactful that was. Jochebed saw that Moses was a goodly, a goodly child, so she took an ark and, and placed her child in it. And she placed him in the river, knowing that she may never ever see this child again, but having faith, having faith that God would protect that child. She did all that she could do, but when it came down to the point where she could do no more, she placed that basket in the water by faith. By faith. And I want to remind us today, we need to have that kind of faith. Do what you can do. Put hands and actions, feet to your your prayers. But don't forget that strength is of the Lord. 
Strength is of the Lord. And you can go through a difficulty and you can go through a trial, but as long as you are fighting the battle for yourself, you're going to come out on the other side whooped. You're going to come out on the other side defeated. But from Jochebed we learn that strength, well, it comes from the Lord. And yes, it takes faith. She didn't know what was going to happen when she placed her son into that basket and blade him in the bulrushes and sent him down the Nile River. Nile River's infested with crocodiles. That could have been a snack. Moses, the lunchbox special. We don't know. But by faith. Faith in an unseen God. Faith in a God that, that, that she had only heard of. and No, no word of God to read and no, no cross to look back to and no finished work of Calvary and no gift of salvation yet to receive, as it were, uh, the way that we do today. Uh, it was a different time and things were, things were so much unclear, more unclear than they are today. But yet she had this incredible strength to say, I will trust God. I'll trust God with my circumstances. I'll trust God with the difficulties in my life. When the good times turned hard, when the odds seemed insurmountable, instead of looking at the situation and doing what she felt was best, she turned to God and placed her faith in his hands. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. God, He is our strength. Let's place our faith in Him. Let's depend upon Him for our needs. We see a godly mother's vision, what she hopes for her, her children for the future. We see a godly mother's strength. And finally this morning, we see a godly mother's investment. A godly mother's investment. Look with you would in Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to uh, to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter. This is Miriam. Mother had... Mama, Mama Jochebed had sent Miriam down to the river's side to watch the basket float down by the river. And so Pharaoh's daughter snatches that up. She hears the baby's crying and she says, this is one of the Hebrews' children. She has compassion. She falls in love with that little baby. And Miriam sneaks up to the lady and says, hey, we see it here. Verse number seven. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. Moms in here are probably like, Man, I wish that would happen. Can I get paid for raising my own kid? (laughs) And the woman took the child and nursed it. God rewards Jochebed's faith in an amazing way. Not only is her son saved alive, but now she gets to raise her child. She gets to nurse him. The child comes back home and, and, and in safety she can, she can raise this child through its infancy. What an amazing turn of events. But you think about that. She would only raise this child through its infancy. What a short period of time she had with him. What a short period of time. 
You think 18 years is a short period of time before your child grows up and leaves home? According to the history that I've studied, Jewish tradition, he, she could have had him maybe upwards of five years, four to five years, maybe that long. There was a high infant mortality rate in those days, and so mothers tend to, tended to, to nurse much longer and, and take other precautions to try to get children through that stage of life. And, and so he, she could have had him maybe as long as that. It could have been as short as two years. But either way, she would have this much time to train this child. We've seen her vision. We've seen her strength. And now in a matter of just a couple years, she's going to invest in this child. And she is going to do everything she can. Can you imagine the time that she spent with him? I bet every waking moment. Knowing that the minutes were just passing by like that. It would just be a matter of months before her child would be sent away to the, to the Pharaoh's house. But mommy invested. She poured herself out, as we see our mothers do so often. Sacrificing, giving, sacrificing, giving. Patient, sacrificing, and giving. Over and over and over and over and over again. Remember in Hebrews chapter 11, where we said, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments? You see, raising a child is not so much about what you say to them. The Bible gives us a scripture verse that says, Train up the child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. It doesn't say, Talk up a child. It doesn't say uh, that that we should teach up a child says that we should train up a child, indicating that we should exemplify the things that we want our children to be. And, and, and Jochebed here, she exemplifies what she wants her child to be. And by faith, Moses' parents took him and hid him, not fearing the king's commands, because they knew that this life was precious, and they, they knew that this life was a gift from God, and it was not a life to be wasted, and so they hid him, not afraid of what the world could do to them, not afraid of the consequences of them hiding a child. In Hebrews chapter 11, just a couple verses down, guess what's said about Moses? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, just listen if you would this morning. By, uh, by faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Sounds awfully like uh, they were not afraid of the king's commandments. And here's Moses not fearing the wrath of the king. I wonder where he got that from. I wonder where he got this ability to trust God more than men. To have faith in God more than to put faith in men. I think he got it from his mother. A mother who invested, poured herself out. Yes, just a short period of time but poured herself out into him, exemplified to him what Christianity should be, what faith in God looked like. Moses is an amazing character. And if you look through that chapter of of Exodus, Hebrews chapter 11, you you know what you're going to find? You're going to find there are seven verses about Moses having faith, great faith. He is 
talked about in that hall of faith more than any other character in Scripture, more than Abraham, more than anyone else. Moses has the greatest faith, according to Hebrews chapter 11. Where did he get it from? I think he got it from a mom. I think he got it from a mom who exemplified to him what great faith looked like. As she took that child, placed him in the river, and by faith, by faith. And then for the short period of time that she had, in, you, hey, you'd be surprised what you can do with a couple years with a child. I've got a two-year-old who can quote a, a chapter of the Bible. By yourself. If you just take a look, and that's mommy investing in that child. You can accomplish a lot, and mothers do accomplish a lot. They invest so much. We don't have time this morning, but Moses had two other siblings. Miriam, we already mentioned, and Aaron. You know what, Mar- Miriam? She would be a leader of leaders amongst the women of the, of the Hebrew children. She would be the first priestess. She would lead the women in worship to God. A great, great character that that led by faith people to worship God. Aaron. Who is Aaron? Aaron is the high priest. Aaron is given the job of the Levites to lead the children of the whole nation of Israel in worship. Jochebed had three children. And every single one of her children led with great faith in a time where they again could not look to a cross. But looked forward to a time when the Messiah would come. All three of her children led by faith. And I don't think that was an accident. It was a mother who invested in her children. What kind of return on investment are we giving our mothers? I think about that often. You know, physical strength is good. You can accomplish a lot with it. But spiritual strength is so much greater. To learn to lean on God. Hey, and you will never have any spiritual strength in your life if you don't have a relationship with God. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you don't know for sure today that heaven is your home, if you were to die today, if you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, you have no strength to which to rely upon. Difficulties are going to come. Hardships are going to come. And you may be able to fight through them for so long, but the only way you can actually see victory is to trust in the Lord. Some trust in chariots vehicle of strength. Some trust in horses, an animal of strength. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You see, this world, it will pass away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Jochebed made a spiritual investment that to this day is reaping dividends in the world in which we live. An amazing feat by a woman who's not even mentioned in her own story. Vision, strength, investment. I think there's something all of us can learn from Jacobed. And I trust this morning that you've been challenged. What is your faith in God like? Do you rely upon him or do you rely upon yourself? I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning if you would. Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for the time that we could be here in your house, Lord. And I pray now, even as we close this service out, as we can contemplate, as we think about this, this woman,